What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome back to this co-branded episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast along with Acme Packing Company. I'm once again joined by the one and only Justice Mosqueda. You can follow him on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Justice, it's great to be back talking Packers with you. I wish it was after a win. Unfortunately, it's not, but we have a ton to talk about anyway. How the heck are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm pretty two and two. <laughs> I feel very two and two as well. Uh, yeah. That's a great way to put things. I might just use that moving forward. I'm feeling kind of four and three this week, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see what that uh, ends up being moving forward. But I, I just want to give you the floor right, right, right off the bat and just let you fix all of the problems. Uh, so if <laughs> Joe Barry wants to listen or if Matt LaFleur wants to listen, they just have everything right here. So justice, it's a simple answer. I'm sure that can be probably answered in like 13 seconds or so, but what's wrong with the Packers run defense? Yeah, we're running a poll at APC right now. Um, I think we have two questions. It's, do you think Joe Barry can get to, get it turned around? Do you think Joe Barry is going to be the DC next year? Um, as far as the run defense, oh boy, we're even getting mixed messages from within the building, right? I don't know if you've talked about that already, but no. I mean, Lafleur comes out hard on what was it Friday um, yeah. after reviewing the film and basically says, you know. I think all our problems can be solved schematically. And then on, I believe it was Monday, Joe Barry has his press conference with, with the media. And he's like, I can't pinpoint one reason for this. You know, we have one mistake here, one mistake there. You know, they're not really tied together. And we have 30 good run stops throughout the game. But if they're running 40 times, you give up 10 bad runs. You know, that ends up killing you. Now, I'm not sure where the count for the 30 good run stops come from. I'm not, I'm not necessarily there with him um, on that one, but I do agree. Like a lot of this stuff doesn't seem to be coordinated. Like the, the issues aren't really coordinated in any sort of way. It's just like, Oh, that guy has a bad rep. And then it's like three plays later. Now it's that guy, right? Like stuff like that. Um, I know people get down to looking at defensive coordinator almost as like a motivational position, which I think is not yeah, really accururate. Um, but they're like, you know, he, he should be able to get more out of these guys. And um, I know they point at, um, you know, he's supposed to hold the positional coaches accountable, which I, I do agree with, but like some of these things were um, so like, let's talk about like the functionality of some of these issues. Right. So like one of them, was and I think you posted this. Um, the fact that the Packers were at nickel at the goal line, I think it's Justin Hollins and Kingsley and Ibarra down at the goal line. I mean, those are not your run stopping outside yeah. linebackers that you want on the field. Joe Barry's in the booth, right? And and that's not to say that like his role is any different, he just has a different vantage point, right? But like rotations are dictated by yep. positional coaches, like yep. that's that's something like. He's got way too much going on to be able to worry about like who's in the game. And I know that might sound crazy, but like from a functional sure. standpoint, like that, that comes down to, yeah, yeah. The positional coaches. I mean, that's one thing that we talked about with Wooden what was it two weeks ago after the Atlanta game where it's like, he can't be in the game as much as they played him. And they made that yeah. adjustment moving forward. Um, so the lines were doing stuff where they were getting in a hurry up when, you know, the Packers best outside linebackers weren't on the field and they were saying, you know, hey, we could just kind of like stuff it down their throat right now. And unless they want to burn a timeout legally, there's nothing that they can do unless they, you know, force the incompletion. But we're not going to throw a pass. We're just going to keep running the ball. 
theoretically they could jump off sides, but yes, I digress. They could. Yeah. I, yeah. Wow. I hadn't thought of that. I mean, maybe that's something that you do at the goal line, right? Because yards are, it was two, it was the two yard line. So theoretically, if you're in a bad situation, yeah, you're at the one, you're at the one, it's still not great. You don't want it at the one, but I might rather have it at the one with my guys who can actually stop the run than the two with the guys that can't, but I digress. That's an interesting point. Always, always thinking, Andy, have you coached high school ball by any no, chance? I played a lot of Madden, my friend. Lots oh and lots God. of Madden. That's, I got a yeah, few that's Madden. Some psycho stuff there. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there are certainly issues with this run defense. I think the other thing that I would point to that is something that is solvable, they, they play the 6-1 front right, which is kind of like their little jam front. They play it at the goal line a lot of times, right, which is why you don't see that nickel front that, you know, they gave up a – I think it was like an untouched score to to Montgomery, right, um, yep. when they were down there. They're 6-1 front. They have four interior defensive linemen, two edge rushers, one middle linebacker. Right now that middle linebacker is quick um, because obviously, you know, Devondre is dealing with that ankle issue. Um it doesn't look like they know their run fits in that. And that's a pretty big problem. That 6-1 front is the same front that they were in. Um, both of those toss plays against Atlanta, when Atlanta was going unbalanced and stuff like that, um, there were a couple issues in that jam front. Again, um, I think they ran it probably, I can't remember, it was like six or eight times. I can't remember which one it was against the Lions, and they gave up a couple explosive plays. Um, there's a couple times where uh, one of them was, one of the top rushing touchdowns where they motion, they motion the tight end um, both the corner and the outside linebacker end up playing outside of it. And there's just this giant gap in the C gap that, that no one's covering. Um, those are the type of things that you can fix. And certainly, you know, a longer week, you would hope that they would nail some of that stuff down. Um, but yeah, I mean, on a down to down basis, it's just people are messing up and it's not the same guy every single time. I mean, the, the wooden thing was pretty um, obvious against Atlanta. And then the Enigbare stuff, I mean, he's just not great against the run. and yep. he, I mean, neither is Hollins. Um, so maybe that's a situation where you're like, maybe we need to be playing. If we're going to have these guys on a pitch count, maybe Preston Smith doesn't be needing to play pass rushing downs. Maybe he just has to play rundowns. And maybe yep. that's a, a locker room thing where it's like that's a tough pill to swallow for for a veteran or something like that. But, like, it's where the team needs them when you have a bunch of 250-pound edge rushers that are small as hell and they're getting collapsed. Um, outside of that, I don't know what in the lineup could necessarily be changed. I mean, you basically just got to say, well, I hope the players take to the coaching. Yeah, there's I have so many thoughts on this. I had to take notes as you were going because there's, like, so many things I want to discuss. Uh, first of all, I agree with Joe Barry over Matt LaFleur on this one. I don't think this is just a scheme thing at all. Like guys got to get off blocks. I don't think the personnel is totally, uh, what it needs to be from a run stopping standpoint. I, I agree. Some things can be helped from scheme, but I, I think this is players needing to go out, set an edge, get off of blocks, make plays, play more violent. And I don't know that. I think there's some things that can change from a scheme standpoint, but I don't think it's just one thing. I think there's a variety of different things here. So I agree with Mars Gilberry there. The other thing with the scheme thing, I talked to Keegan Abdu from Next Gen Stats. They do all the player tracking stuff, right? Um, af after the game, and he was telling me, you know, Green Bay is about league average in the too high stuff, right? Yeah, now. it's not like a ton. they're they're not even playing it a ton. They're near the top of the league. I think they're like third in the league 
or they're second in the league only behind Gus Bradley because it's all Gus Bradley does every single down and cover three looks. And that's, you know, with a post safety, one of the guys dropped down. Um, so they're trying to stop the run and they're just not able to. I mean, they're running some of these, the, those six one looks. I mean, they're running that on first, second down sometimes. Yeah. Like one, one inside linebacker, like because there's four, you know, four defensive tackles on the line of scrimmage. Like they're trying to stop the run schematically and it's just not taking. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they're going to trade for anyone. They seem to want to like yeah. play these guys. I mean, this might just be one of the issues, right? I mean, I don't know how much you talked about it around draft time, but like this is something that we highlighted where it's like after the draft, you start looking at the roster and you're like, they just might be bad in run defense. Like they might've yeah. just accepted that from a, from a personnel standpoint um, because of the way, you know, they're playing with like half of their cap space in some of these games. Like it is what it is. Yeah, there, there's going to be deficiencies. I think some of the stuff can theoretically get fixed and we'll go over some ideas maybe in just a moment. But th- my, my other question as you were going through everything is like, who's a theoretical good run defender on this team? Like if you're just like, I think Kenny Clark and TJ Slayton along the defensive line are theoretically good run defenders. Preston Smith, maybe Gary and LVN at the edge can theoretically be solid run defenders. I don't think Quay is there. Uh, he's a good tackler, as we saw last week, evidenced by 19 tackles. But I don't think he's necessarily a get off of blocks and stop someone run defender. I think Devondre, theoretically, may be more of a run defender at this point. I'm not sure. Well, A, he's out this past week and plus. But, um, yeah, well, we could talk about that as well. I don't think anyone at corner. Maybe Razul is maybe a, a solid-ish plus run defender at corner. Maybe Jonathan Ford at safety, but he also takes some bad angles in there as well. I just don't know that like you have enough guys that are even theoretically sound run defenders. I mean, I guess you could say uh, you can put Preston, Gary and LVN on the edges, just Slayton and Clark on the inside Campbell at inside linebacker. And you guess you have to use Quay and then it gets a little dicey on the back end. But I, I just don't think they have enough, even theoretical run defenders on this team, not to mention like not all of those guys are playing at the level that they need to, to be good run defenders either. I'm going to look up the stats right now because, I mean, that, that looks good on paper too, but these guys are getting rotated out so yeah, so dang much. I mean, so Kenny Clark is playing 70% of the snaps, which is easily the highest of anyone other than the safeties, Rasul and Quay Walker right now. Okay. And at outside linebacker, Preston Smith is the only guy playing more than 50% of the snaps. Um yeah. So like those guys are getting rotated. I mean, that's that might be part of the problem is that like you're rotating. Like Preston's not getting enough snaps. I mean, maybe maybe that's a situation where you start to see like Lucas Van Ness take a step up because I think he has a chance to be a plus run defender. Um, again, I I wouldn't necessarily put uh, Gary there just because he loses contain so much. Yeah, um, in I terms agree of, with that. I mean, you want him on the field every snap that you can get because of what he could do as a pass rusher. I just wouldn't say that he's a great run defender defender, um but yeah i mean maybe this is maybe this is the game that you realize like if the atlanta game was hey wooden's not ready for these snaps maybe this game was like kingsley and ibarra and justin hollands can't play that many snaps i have two other ideas for you that i want to throw throw by you as we're trying to brainstorm and fix this problem we mentioned the edge defender like holland's not a good run defender 
you know, Gary can't play that much. You're not, again, and you'd probably want him more on pass rush downs anyway with the amount of snaps he can play. Preston can maybe play there. LVN can play it, but you, it kind of almost feels like they need one more guy. What about Carl Brooks as a run defender at edge? Because he played a little bit of edge in college. I'm not saying it's a perfect solution, but at least it's what a 280, 90 pound guy that you can line up on the edge. Just throwing it out there as an idea. The other one is, and I know I'm not super geeked out about this one either. Jonathan Ford made the initial 53. If you don't feel like he can be an even remotely like solid run defender that you can add to the rotation to help with that, what is he even doing on the practice squad? He's never going to be a plus pass rusher. So if he literally can't, if you don't think he can come in and help your run defense in any capacity, like then the Jonathan Ford experiment just needs to be done at this point. So I almost would like, and I like what Carl Brooks is bringing from a pass rush standpoint, but I almost might just try Brooks as a big outside linebacker on rundowns and maybe try Jonathan Ford a little bit more in, in that rotation for run defenders. And I'm not saying that's even great ideas or perfect. I'm just throwing crap at the wall at this point. Right. The, yeah, that's interesting. So the Brooks thing, you would need to know what the situation is like in the building in terms of him being able to pick up multiple positions at the same time. Right. I mean, yeah. that that's, that's the biggest thing there to me. Plus then um, the potential of the snap count getting too high for him. Cause obviously he's the first guy off of the bench right now. Um, yeah. And you know, the base down looks um, the Jonathan Ford stuff. I, they've been in a weird numbers crunch and I don't think that this game in particular was at the fault of the interior defensive lineman as much as it was, bad assignments on the edge and then missed tackles. Right. Yep. So I agree I, with that. Yeah. So I, I'm not overly concerned about Ford. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, a lot of these guys are going to have to earn their keep shout out to uh Christian Welsh. Is that his name? No. Oh, yeah. He, he was, he was the uh, punt protection call up. He played 20 snaps this week. We said, you know, they're going to need bodies and punt protection um Basaccia complained about it in his press conference this week glad glad we're at the sicko point where we have to start doing the roster math because of special teams I it was very interesting that like he's still on the 53 as we speak which is really fun too so and I mean, they added a practice squad guy and didn't drop one so it seems like their plan is to keep him up on the 53 for yeah because yeah, I don't think Campbell's playing this week he he didn't he wasn't even with the rehab group so he doesn't look close at this point. So that would make sense that they just kind of keep them up. And maybe that was the thought process that of all those guys, you know, that Campbell might be out longer. So bring the inside linebacker up to the active roster and then just call up the corners. But the practice squad guy that they signed is an inside linebacker too. He was a hybrid, you know, safety inside linebacker guy, but it's yeah. worth noting they didn't have an inside linebacker on the practice squad. And now they just got one. Got another one. Yeah. It is interesting. All right. Now that we have tried our best to fix the run defense, Justice, can you fix the run offense for me? What's going on there? <laughs> um, a lot of issues. Honestly, I'm willing to throw the game out on the offensive side of the ball and just burn the tape. Um, when your left tackle is out, and obviously he's not going to come back, so like, what do you do with that? I don't know. Um, your left tackle is out. Your left guard is out. Your right guard leaves with an ankle injury, gets seen with a boot after the game. And then your right tackle was a guy who was questionable coming into the game with a knee injury that he had to push through on a short week. Like the left side was hurt enough that they were not playing. The right side was playing banged up. Like yeah. that's, 
that's the NFL, man. You're on a short week. Like you might get your ass beat. Like that's just, there's, there's no team in the league that can withstand four injuries on the offensive line. So I'm just kind of like, well, that sucked. Hope it gets better. Hope these guys get healthy. Let's move forward on the offensive side of the ball. Honestly. Yeah, I think that's fair too. I, I thought the offensive line clearly was much better the first few games. And part of that was due to health and, and just who was available, yeah. but you could tell Zach Tom wasn't himself in that game. John he was, he was both both of those guys were turning guys loose that they usually don't turn yeah. loose. And that's a big reason why I was like this, like they clearly aren't right. I'm not going to use this to, to ding them moving forward. Yeah. The good news is Elton Jenkins practiced on Tuesday. So hopefully that's a good sign for him. Runyon did not. He was in the rehab group. So maybe less, you know, optimistic there, but still you'll take Elton coming back. I think hopefully Rashid, settles down a little bit from what he was at a week ago. There were some positive signs against new Orleans and that in the second game that he played in Myers is Myers. Um, and then you've, you know, hopefully Zach Tom is back to normal at right tackle. He was not a part of the rehab group or injury group at all. So hopefully that's a good sign for him. And then they'll have to decide right guard again. If Runyon's out of Royce Newman, Sean Ryan, or Zach Tom at right guard with Yash Nyman at right tackle. I don't know what they do there either, but hopefully it's just a better overall performance from the O-line this week. Yeah. And, the Raiders are a weird team. Um, I don't know if you want to get into kind of previewing what they're doing, but sure, they really only have one guy that you really need to worry about, right? And, and Max Crosby up front. Yep. Um, you know, they ha- did have Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, but obviously Chandler Jones is going through his whole thing right now. He got released from the team. So as long as you have a pass rush plan for Max Crosby, I think you can get away with a lot in this game. This This Raiders team hasn't had a lot of defensive talent in a long time. Both of their starting cornerbacks have given up 200 yards already. They both have given up a 100 plus passer rating when they've been targeted. Um, they have a fourth. I'll look up his name so I don't get yelled at. Um, they have a fourth round pick rookie starting. His name is uh, Jacorian Bennett. Um, I looked up his stats earlier. He's given up like 17 yards per target, um, and it's bad. something like a 130 something. Uh, passer rating, 80% completion percentage, like just throw the ball at that guy every single play. Um, I don't think you're going to have the same type of issues that you had against Detroit. Um, but at the same time, like John Kaminsky didn't have that level of a game against anyone else previously this year, and he did against the Packers. So maybe the Packers make a star out of some unknown interior defensive lineman on the Raiders. Um, but on paper, it should just be, you know, have a game plan for Max Crosby. Yeah, I was I was thinking the exact same thing as you were saying that, because a week ago I was have a game plan against Aiden Hutchinson and make everyone else beat you. And then Aiden Hutchinson and everyone else beat you. Everyone like you else said, beat you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like you said, that was a, hopefully a throwaway game and not what's a, you know, harbinger of things to come for that Green Bay offensive line. We'll go over more of uh, Packers Raiders in just a moment, but I want to ask you a couple other questions before we get there. First and foremost, as Green Bay loses, there's always going to be angst and frustration with certain people within the organization, whether that be Ryan Gudikins, Joe Barry, Matt LaFleur, Royce Newman, you can name uh, public enemy number one, A, B, C, and D, whoever you want to or, you know, order those. But uh, there's always going to be the, the call for people's heads and wanting people fired and cut and all of it. So let me ask you this. You have carte blanche of the Green Bay Packers today, Justice Mosqueda, and you can do anything that you want to make the changes within the organization that you deem are necessary to get things turned around and fixed for the Packers moving forward. What, if any, changes would you make? 
I uh, <laughs> I would look at the running back market. Um, outside of that, I don't really know what you do because you're in a position where you want to play these guys. You're, yeah. you're four games into the season. I mean, guys, we knew this was going to be, if not a full-blown rebuild, at least a little bit of a rebuild. Like, no one expected to contend for a title this year. I mean, this is this is what we signed up for. Like, we're yeah. supposed to see these lumps. I mean, how many times have we said, like, Dentavian Wicks is getting open on film. He has like a hundred yards this entire yeah. season. Like he's, we 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 need to see a little bit more out of these guys before we start cutting them off the team. You know what I mean? So, outside of looking at the running back market, just because of, um, you know, Aaron Jones's situation moving forward in terms of his cap hit and all that stuff, and AJ Dillon being in a contract year, the team clearly doesn't seem to be as in love with Emmanuel Wilson as um, him making the 53-man roster would potentially suggest. And uh, Patrick Taylor hasn't gotten called up, even though his practice squad elevations have been exhausted. So I would look at the running back market and just see if there's anything out there that you can find value in. I know they brought in James Robinson, who was a 1,000-yard rusher for the Jaguars, um, in for a visit this past week. That's a tricky situation because that's a kid who had an Achilles injury and hasn't looked right since then. for some reason, the the Patriots gave him like an eight million dollar contract this past offseason. He ended up getting released within like a month. Um, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is on that lower end where you're looking at a, a practice squad call up potential guy. Um, maybe you're looking at a veteran. Maybe you're looking at a potential trade. I would I would just look at all aspects in the running back market. Um, maybe depending on, but I don't think any of these. Offensive line injuries are significant. I was going to say, you know, maybe looking at adding a guy there, but I think all these guys are going to be back in a couple weeks, and you just got to kind of like gruel through this right now. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I they have no salary cap. There's no you know, now is not the time to go trade at a little bit. The the yeah. smallest smidgen of salary cap. No, yeah, they can do something, but like not anything crazy and. Yeah. Now is not the time you want to go trading assets for veterans or like high-end players. Like you, this is the evaluation period for this team. Yeah. You, you can make, you know, I would, what I like to see maybe Sean Ryan over Royce Newman. Yeah. Like, let's just see what he's got. Like even, even learning that he sucks is a learn. You learn something. Like if he goes out and he's worse than Royce Newman, we've learned something. Now we can make a better evaluation of Sean Ryan moving forward. If he's worse than Royce Newman, he's that's probably just it. Like you can't be worse than Royce Newman. So um, yeah, I think there's little things like that, that I would look at. I don't think there's any real advantage to moving on from a defensive coordinator at this point, other than saying that you did it. If they didn't do right, it in the right now, there's no way. I mean, yeah. I don't even know who you'd call. You'd up. I don't. Uh, Jeff Saturday. I mean, you'd probably call. I mean, Greg Williams might have the most experience there just because of the past game coordinator stuff, and he—he's the youngest guy on the staff. So, yeah, no, I mean, there's there's no reason to, no, just in terms of just like how many things you have to shake up, it it doesn't make sense to do it right now, especially for a team that's not like really contending for the playoffs or anything, or maybe contending for the playoffs, but not contending for a championship, right? Like maybe that's something you do. If you're like, this defense isn't working, we're fighting for a ring. Like, hopefully we can win enough games that by the time we get this thing figured out in November, right, like we're, we're full steam ahead. I, I don't envision that for this Packers team. 
Also, no. I don't know what Packers fans want. That's one question I have. Um, what do you want in a defensive coordinator? Like we saw the um, what do you call it? The fire zone defense, right? Yeah. With Dom Capers, that couldn't stop the run. He got fired. Mike Penton played the aggressive man stuff, the Rex Ryan stuff, the Leonard stuff, all that, right? That didn't stop the run. He ended up getting fired. And now we're playing the quarter stuff, and Joe Barry looks like he's going to get fired. So, like, we've tried basically every defense outside of the Tampa 2 that it's, like, not really existed since, like, the mid-2000s or the Seattle Seahawks cover three stuff that has been aggressively moved away from in the NFL because everyone has an answer for it now. Like what? What? What do we want? Are do do you guys want to hire Petten back? Like is that is that where we're at? I, I genuinely don't know because some of this stuff, it is schematics and it's just like the players aren't, um, the players aren't executing, and some of that does come down to coaching, like the six one stuff where it's like, this is built to stop the run. This is a run like you should know your run fits in this situation, right? Like I get how that's frustrating. But sometimes there's just missed tackles. I think uh, David Montgomery forced more missed tackles in that Lions game than the Packers had generated on the ground the entire season. Um, that's not on the coaches. I mean, the, no. you don't even really teach tackling in the NFL. Like, you get four padded practices the entire season during the regular season. That's it. That's all you get in the NFL now. So, like, uh, realistic- not live tackling anyway. <laughs> No, and I mean, how many times do they do that in camp? I mean, I know they, they go one, one end of practice live tackle for rookies, and that was the young guys though, for like yeah. for like ten minutes, maybe, maybe ten minutes, probably not, even, probably like five minutes. Like you don't teach tackling in the NFL. That's not what they're here for, and they've basically outlawed it, right? So, mm-hmm. I, 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 and I know a lot of it is just fans being frustrated and it's your right to be frustrated. And I'm not going to tell you, don't be frustrated when the team's finished uh, 32nd in the run under Gutekunst's entire um, regime under LaFleur's entire regime and under Barry's entire regime. But I just don't know like functionally what you want different. And that's kind of what I'm trying to get the temperature of for Packers fans. I think in the end, the defensive coordinator, or if there's an offensive coordinator calling play calls and the offense isn't working, I think it's just a caricature of everything. It's just like you have one scapegoat, and if things aren't wrong, it's it's why it's fire capers, fire petting, fire um, Joe Barry. Like it just becomes like the. But calling here's the card. thing: like the the capers and the petting stuff, I understood a little bit more because I could see schematically how they were failing schematically. Sure. But the the Barry stuff is more on like just the players getting the message and actually executing from there. And I feel like at some point, some of that is in their hands. Now, obviously, this happens for three years. You can get frustrated at, at Barry and say like, okay, maybe we need a different voice in the room, right? But is it just a different voice in the room or do you want the defense to look structurally different? Because at the same time, you're getting a lot of complaints about all this off coverage and stuff like that. And the reason for that is because of the way that offenses are playing. Like, I don't know if Petten would be calling the same type of defense in this era where all the formations are 
um, condensed and everyone's in a bunch or everyone's in a stack and you can, you know, you or me could get open against man on a, on a free release um, because of the way these guys are lining up so tight. So like, I don't know. Yeah. I think I don't even know where to like, like I said, I think it becomes just like one sort of scapegoat. I think that what fans come back to and at the end of the day is you've got all these first round picks and all this money tied into defense. You put a ton of resources into defense. How many of those first round picks are good? No, I just first round pick. I'm with you. I, I, yeah, no, I just talked about this uh, in a huge episode earlier this week of like, should the Packers fire Joe Barry or not? It's the same thing I brought up is like, yeah, you have a bunch of first round picks and high money free agents, but like how many of those guys are actually paying, playing like first round picks and high money free agents. And at some point there's an evaluation that needs to take place, but is it the chef that's not using the ingredients correctly? Or is it the person who bought the groceries? And a lot of these cases, like I think you can make it, stronger argument that it's the person buying the groceries so far. I, I don't know. It's, it's a really difficult conversation, but I would like, we, I think maybe you and I talked about this of if you're going to have like a high end first round pick or like a high priced free agent or whatever, you want them to sort of be good at everything. You want them to be good at run defense, pass defense, everything. You want all of it. And there's arguably none. Uh, Kenny Clark is probably your closest, which by the way, not Brian Gutekind's guy. That's a Ted Thompson guy. Like he's probably your closest to being good against the run and the pass. Every other high priced free agent or first round pick is at best good at one or the other. And some of them, number 26, maybe not necessarily good at either. So I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm more lean almost towards players need to play and that you need to draft guys that are capable of being good against everything and not just be like, you know, platoon players. Two points here. Um, first, uh, I, I brought up the running back market. The other thing I would look at is safety um, yeah. just because of the same situation. You have veterans in the room. Um, it doesn't seem like you're getting a whole ton out of them. I know they seem to be high on Savage the way that they talk about him, but I don't think Savage should stop you from exploring yeah. other options moving forward, especially on that one-year deal. Um, the first-round picks, right? So I just want to run down those guys. So like Clark isn't a, a, a goot pick, right? Yeah. Um, Gary's on a pitch count. Van Ness is coming off of the bench. Jair has been hurt. Savage is a guy who was drafted for a completely different scheme. Wyatt doesn't look like a first round pick right now. And then nope. Walker's a little up and down. So like the only guy who's guys who are there to be in this system consistently on the field have been Wyatt and Walker so far this year for all the talk yeah. about these first round picks. So like, oh, and Stokes is a guy I didn't even mention. I mean, he's just, his 21-day yep. window mm -hmm. just opened up, um, you know, uh, I, I think it was Tuesday. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would hesitate to say that this team is completely loaded with defense. Now, is there enough talent on the field to be able to do stuff? Yeah, I mean, if guys play to their assignments in that Lions game and a few fewer um, – explosive runs go off. I mean, I, I do think that's a little bit of a different game, even though the offensive line was getting its ass kicked. Right. So that's something that's got to be fixed moving forward. You don't throw your hands up and say, well, we don't have the talent on defense, so we're just going to suck for the rest of the year. I mean, you got to get more out of some of these guys, but um, if they're not performing, bench them or cut, cut their playing time. Right. Like yep. Preston, I'm sorry. You're going to have to play more run snaps. Like maybe you're going to have to make some of those decisions, but 
that's what you got to do to win ball games. That's what you're going to have to do to win ball games. Yeah, no, I'm I'm totally with you. It's it's just such an interesting conversation because it's a bit of a, a Rorschach test for how people feel about Joe Barry, the defense, the players, et cetera. And I don't think there's a perfect answer to any of it. But speaking of Rorschach tests, I also want to ask you quickly about Quay Walker because he's a bit of a you know interesting player as well, where I think some people are seeing some of the big hits and him flying around a little bit more and saying, okay, Quay's taking a pretty impressive step from year to one year to year two. And other people have been saying like, yeah, but it's kind of like the old Blake Martinez of, you know, when he's tackling somebody, it's five, six yards downfield. And I think Mike Wall this past week called him more of a catcher's mid on the second level of just kind of catching some of those blocks. Like I, I'm, I'm sort of in the middle. I think that he is playing better than he was last year. I think he's playing a little bit more instinctual. I still don't think he can get off of blocks or like bring the level of physicality or shoot the right gap to go make some of the plays that are maybe there for him. So I don't know how you feel about Quay so far. I mean, I'm pretty much with you. I mean, I think he's had a little bit up and down. I do think some of the plays, so like I tweeted out a bunch of um, other clips of them failing to stop the run. Some people think things are Quay's fault when they're not Quay's fault sometimes. And it's just uh, some of the defense getting schemed a little bit, honestly. And then some guys just not being able to physically make some of the plays. Like there was one play where they're in that 6-1 front. Um, and the Lions cut back off of Quay, and Quay is supposed to like make a play like three gaps away from his initial gap because uh, I think it's Wyatt is chasing the play on the backside because Panay Sewell blocks him for like one second, then releases and gets up to, uh, to the safety level and ends up getting a hat on, I think it was Ford. And obviously that's, you know, a hundred and... 50 pound mismatch there ford is never getting off that that block right white is never chasing down that play and now quay looks like he's a dummy to uh, i don't want to say untrained eye but that's what it is i mean it's an untrained eye right um and people are using that as you know hey quay's making this mistake he's in the wrong gap no he's supposed to be playing i mean he's getting run strong he's playing run strong he's filling the alley and then he's like, why is my cutback not there? Where's my safety? And then he's like, Panay Sewell's on my safety? Are you kidding me? Panay Sewell's on my safety? And Wyatt now becomes the chase defender? He's not going to catch up to that ball, right? So um, there, there are issues like that where I think Walker has become a little bit more of a punchline than what I actually think his value to the team is. But he's certainly a little up and down. Um, the staff seems to be pretty happy with him. I mean, I don't know if the staff is – talked up anyone the way that they've talked up savage and uh quay walker this season on the defensive side of the ball they all they have to say is positive stuff about them which is interesting to me but that's probably another conversation for another day i i like the effort that both are putting in i'll say that much um i think there's things that both can probably do but i really like the season savage was having prior to this week there's a couple of those third down plays where he's playing spy and just there's the one where he comes down He's in the middle of the field, and then he takes the underneath guy, and the guy comes behind right into where Savage's spot was. And then there's another one where Savage's spy middle of the field, or like robber middle of the field, I should say. And then he comes down and then just misses the tackle on Amon Ross St. Brown. There were just a few too many plays like that this week. I will say um, to this Walker point, I'm way more worried about Wyatt panning out than Walker at this point. I think that's fair. He's a 25-year-old. He's getting all the snaps. We're supposed to see – I I saw a lot more flashes last year in limited reps than I do now. Um, 
I don't think he's a great run defender. I think he can, you know, rip past a couple guys um, on the inside. And, like, he's quicker than some of these offensive linemen, which is a nice trait. But, like, 25-year-old first-round pick, I don't know. You're supposed to want more. If he was a third round, like rotational defensive lineman, you'd be like, oh, all right. Like that's yeah. that's not bad. That's okay. I can handle that, especially for a Green Bay third round pick. But that's another are we are we sure he's like Carl Brooks isn't better than him? Like I don't want to no. do like an overreaction thing, but like in terms no. of who's been playing better, like I don't know, like Brooks might like I know he's not as physically get like the the thing with Brooks, his hands are so good. His yeah. hands are so good. Like his feet, if he had Wyatt's feet, he would have been a first round pick himself with the hands that he has, right? Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not totally sure that like why it's even one of our three best interior linemen right now, which I don't think he's like, should be benched or anything. He's clearly better than wooden, but, um, I just wouldn't hang my hat on that pick. Turn it out. If, if you, if you had to ask me right now, who's better wider Brooks, I think I would say give a slight nod to Wyatt. If you had to ask me who ends up with a better career wider Brooks, I think I'd pretty easily say Carl Brooks with him being a rookie and having a lot more development in front of him. But hopefully they're just both amazing, and that would be nice. That Georgia trio still is going to be a huge determining factor moving forward if this Packers defense takes a step or not. They need Stokes, Walker, Wyatt to be something better than what the total, you know, accumulative, uh, you know, effect of those three are right now. They just they, they just have to. I got to be honest. You said Georgia trio. I was racking my brain for the third one, and I keep forgetting Stokes is on this team. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, hopefully Stokes. By the way, the Stokes hamstring, did you guys talk about that? No, we haven't. The yet. hamstring is what delayed the PUP thing? I didn't no, know well, it was. It was a I, – I guess I have to go back and listen to what was said, um, but I know that it was the reason that he had a setback. I don't know if it was the reason he went on PUP or not, but maybe okay. that's what was said, and I just missed it. But – um it was definitely a reason that he had a setback. Cause I know they said at a point they thought he was going to be able to practice in camp. So, but I, I also don't know the ruling there of like, if he starts on PUP because right. of one injury and then has a new injury, can you, while he's rehabbing, can you put him on PUP? For, I don't know. It's a, that's yeah. That's the thing that I was confused about. I was like, Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Um, so maybe we should keep this hush hush in case teams yeah, just, get in trouble, but nothing to see the, here. The other nothing thing that I thought was interesting They've been calling it an ankle injury, right? For Stokes? Yeah. I, believe, I guess I didn't even look. I believe they've been calling it an ankle injury, but he said that it was a Liz Frank injury. Liz Frank. Yeah. And then he had the cartilage issue. So I'm like, how many? So we got the ankle, the foot, the knee, and the then <laughs> and then the hamstring. Yeah, I'm like, oh, great. But other than that, right? He's good? Yeah, other than that, probably good. <laughs> other than that, at least he's practicing. That is a that yeah. is a net positive we will take at this point. All right, a couple other things just really quick. You had a great article up on Acme Packing, Acme Packing Company. Easy for me to say. How do the Packers and Raiders stack up? I think you used some numbers from Pro Football Reference. Uh, you want to plug that and uh, talk about that really quick? Yeah. So what we ended up doing is we ended up looking at expected points, which is calculated based off of like down and distance stuff, right? Um, so you could look at the Green Bay Packers. Um, they're ranked 15th in the league right now and expected points. So that's, again, based off of all the down and distance stuff. Their defense has has basically cost them 15 points, and their offense has uh, gained them 14 and a half points. And a lot of that is coming through the offensive passing game. No surprise, the Packers have the worst run defense in the league right now. Um, the good news 
is that for as bad as the Packers' run defense is, the Raiders' run game is actually worse, and the Raiders are ranked uh, 28th overall in, in this metric. Um, the Raiders have not been good, and that includes before you know Aiden O'Connell was out there at quarterback. I, I will say the one interesting thing about the Raiders, um, their offensive line was kind of funky in terms of they were able to pass protect very well for the first three games of the season. Now, if you look at the first three games, um, one of the issues, right, they play the Denver Broncos who just cut Randy Gregory, who was supposed to be their pass rusher. Um, yeah. he, he didn't give them really anything. And we saw, you know, how that Broncos defense got absolutely bombed by uh, the Miami Dolphins, right? And then um, the other team, I'm trying to think. Uh, the, 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 I'm looking right now. Oh, the the other team that they played were uh, the Buffalo Bills, who didn't have Vaughn Miller, right? So it's not like they went against really good pass rushers. So maybe Khalil Mack um, showed who they are when they do face one of those teams, right? Khalil Mack ended up getting six sacks on O'Connell. Um, but one thing that you can't say about the Raiders offensive line is that they have any idea how to block the run. Um, Josh Jacobs right now is averaging like three yards per carry. He is vocally frustrated because, you know, obviously he's, you know, part of that franchise tag group yeah. of running backs. He, he needs to make his money this year. Um, and the Raiders just aren't getting it done and they really haven't gotten it done in any of the four games that they played. So, this is going to give the Packers an opportunity to show that they are better than one of the worst uh, rush offenses in the NFL on, you know, up front on defense. Um, but a lot of people said going into last week that the Lions were kind of in the same situation. So we'll see if the Raiders end up having their best run game of the season and that completely demoralizes the Packers or if the Packers defensive line can get off some blocks and that completely demoralizes the Raiders. So you're starting or sitting Josh Jacobs in fantasy this week. That's the big question. Brother, I have no idea. Uh, I, I don't look enough at fantasy I stuff. I, I don't either. I play one fantasy league. It's a best ball league, so I don't have to get up at 9 o'clock in the morning and immediately think about setting fantasy lineups on the West Coast. So that's the way I live my life. Smart move. Justice, incredible, incredible stuff as always. Before we get out of here, any final thoughts, anything you want to plug on the way out? Uh, the floor is yours, my friend. I I beg Packers fans, just like, you know, like the men in black, like little laser thing that you, like makes you forget everything? Mm -hmm. Just pretend the offensive side of the ball didn't happen. I'm, I'm cool with looking at the defense and saying, like, here are the, like, the things that you need to fix and all that stuff. The offensive side of the ball, there was so much funky stuff going on. I would not take an ounce of that to be a reflection of this team moving forward. Just forget about it. The right side of the offensive line will be healthier. Hopefully Elton can come back pretty quickly at left guard. Um, you know, Aaron Jones, they said Aaron Jones was on a pitch count. So hopefully yeah. that number ends up increasing down the line. Um, funky game. Don't think we're going to see it again this year. Just – chalk it up to uh john kaminsky having the game of his career real, real quick follow-up to that because i'm curious your thoughts did you see a difference because this was my concern did you see a difference between the abysmalness of the first three quarters against the saints to the four quarter or really the four quarters mostly against the lions was it something different or was it the same mistakes that they were making against the saints that they remade against the lions and it's not the of course apples to apples yeah for the offense I think the offensive side of the ball, they just weren't winning balls against the Saints, right? I mean, we, we talked about that a lot where 
you know, two cornerbacks for the Saints who weren't um, Lattimore, right, had 12 contested uh, – 12 tight coverage targets, according to next-gen stats, which ranked first and second in the league through three weeks in an individual game. Like, they were just throwing balls at these guys and hoping that they would come down with them. And it seemed like that was their game plan was, you know, um, they, they can't play the ball. And maybe, maybe they weren't. I mean, maybe they were able to play the receiver, but they weren't able to play the ball. It's not like Love – was throwing a bunch of picks in that game or anything like that, but their guys just didn't come down with it. So I, I see the, those two games is totally different, which is one, like if the Packers were to come out and tested the Lions corners and it's just, you know, these back shoulder balls constantly, and they just cannot come down with these things. And it's Dobbs catching, you know, one of eight of them, right. Or something like that. Then I would have been worried. Right. Gotcha. But the, the fact that they, they just got their butts kicked up front. I think their guys were hurt. Uh, they're going to be healthier. So any idea on who PFF's number one graded corner is through four weeks of the season? Is it Yadam? Isaac Yadam. Yadam play- Look, Yadam played well. Put respect on Yadam. Yeah, Yadam. Again, I'm, I think I mentioned it last week on here, but like Yadam played so good until he gave up the game winner. And like yeah. you could see how nice disappointed he was because he's going to be everywhere. Right, like yeah. he's gonna see that highlight the entire week, and but he played a really good game. So yeah, I'm I'm not surprised there. Um, they they got some corners. They got some corners. The Raiders don't have corners, but the Lions didn't either. Hopefully, the Raiders have fewer pass rushers than the Lions had. That would be nice. Justice, like I said, amazing stuff. Follow him on Twitter at jumosq. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL Podcast at Packaday Podcast. That is going to do it for Justice and I today. But until next time, and as always. Go Pack Go. Sweet. Thank you.